0: We're back with another edition of the Federalist Radio Hour. I'm Emily Jashensky, Culture Editor here at The Federalist. As always, you can email the show at radio at Federalist.com. Follow us on Twitter at FDRLST. Make sure to subscribe wherever you download your podcasts as well. Today, I'm joined by my colleague, Eddie Scary, who has been following the Kyle Rittenhouse trial very closely, and we're excited to talk to him about that. Eddie, welcome.
1: Hey, it's so good to be with you
0: yeah, so Eddie, you've been like literally following almost every second of this trial. Um, it, it seems like you just love courtroom drama.
1: <laughs> I really do. I, I'm like a big uh, true crime junkie. Like just I listen to all like the big podcasts about it. Um, any pretty much all of all of the big ones I'll have listened to, um they're so fun and and obviously just the the courtroom ones that have political, national, political, and cultural. Ramifications are just always so fascinating, so intriguing, fun, fun, and the controversy that surrounds them is fun. I know that they're very serious, and there are oftentimes lives on the line. Um, But the the political ramifications just... Uh, raise the stakes so much more and make them so much more interesting.
0: Yeah. And I remember right before you uh, joined the Federalist, you had been following the Derek Chauvin trial very closely. And uh, it's we're in a similar sort of situation here where Chauvin was found guilty and was expected to be found guilty. Rittenhouse, it's sort of the opposite. Um, I, don't, I don't think anybody is expecting him to be found guilty on all of these counts. Um, in fact, I think if they are, it's maybe because they've been primed by terrible coverage from the legacy media to think that this is sort of a clear-cut case of of white supremacy um but do you think that's why you know there are like 500 national guard troops stationed in kenosha right now preparing for when this verdict is handed down which could literally happen at any moment we're, we're talking right now on wednesday morning do you think the legacy media's terrible coverage of this has has really primed the public to expect something different from what's going to happen
1: it's it's both that that is if, if that's a big factor if not the biggest factor um, and then there is but I guess in, in coordination hand in hand were just all the Democratic leaders, the mayors, the attorney generals, the attorneys general who um, allowed and excused and in some ways promoted the 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 violence and the rioting and the looting and the arson and the vandalism that that happened throughout the summer of 2020. Um, there, there was a sense that this was okay. If if you're unhappy with something, um, we're not going to go through what we used to call in America, the judicial process. Um, We're not going to have due due process for anyone that's been accused of a crime. It's simply, this is how we're going to do things in our cities, our major cities. And so when you say, when we talk about the 500 guard that are out there, well, we know that they're out there for one one outcome. If the outcome is an acquittal, that's why they're there. They're not there in case there is a conviction. There will be no rioting if there is a conviction, even though anyone who's been following this case closely and not just getting their, uh, the, their information about the case from the media would see that this is in no way, this one should be the, the default is that this was a self-defense issue and that the shootings, although tragic, By Kyle Rittenhouse were justified Um, that that should be the the default um, position that people who follow this closely and understand the law would be taking Um, but if not that they would at least say this is this is still debatable it could it could possibly go either way Um, but yes you're right that it is the the national media the coverage that they I've talked to people who someone just told me he's actually in law school at uh, he's a law student at Berkeley So he's pretty smart, and he said, I just found out that uh, none of the people involved in the shootings, obviously not Kyle Rittenhouse, but none of the three people he shot, two of which died, none of them were black. All of them were actually white. He had no idea, and he said, in my head, this was a hate crime issue, Um, and yet... Even one of the first stories I was writing about this as the trial was getting going um, a couple weeks ago was Joy Reid on MSNBC, again, talking about uh, how this how if there is an acquittal, it's the same thing as uh, it'll be the same outcome as the Emmett Till trial.
0: <laughs> oh, my <laughs> Not gosh. <a> single-
1: <laughs> Right. That's exactly what she said. Not even, not a single person involved here is black. They had actually one black witness, an eyewitness, um, but he was not involved in the shootings in any way. He just happened to see a lot of the rioting that was going on that night. But otherwise, not a single person black in this case. And yet this is the kind of thing that people in the national media are saying.
0: Yeah, I've seen, similar to you, I've seen so many things from just like, and who knows what you can trust on social media, but I have seen so many social media posts of people being like, I really had no idea that Rittenhouse's victims weren't black or that he wasn't like an actual outright white supremacist. I was watching, um, I think it was, the New York Times had a, it, it, we're obviously in this true crime moment, and, and I think what's compelling about the House trial is that there's so many hours of footage from so many different angles, and members of the public can really sort of piece together their own version or their own interpretation of how things went just by searching the internet and looking through all of these videos. Um, but it's, it is truly amazing how many social media posts I've seen from leftists being like, I literally didn't even realize that the New York Times in this little documentary they have on YouTube literally says that he has been seen Rittenhouse has been seen giving the white supremacy uh, sign like, and I'm talking <laughs> about his figures being in the okay position, like still, still <laughs> right now they're still peddling this stuff. Um, has there been anything? I mean, Joy Reid, that's a good example. H- has there been any media coverage or are you surprised that they've carried so much of this live because it has destroyed their narrative? <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, I, I, I could be wrong, but I haven't seen the, um, I haven't seen the live uh, feed from the trial on, uh, I think maybe they did closing arguments, but up until that, um, when they had all the, the eyewitnesses, um, all the evidence, the testimonies that basically, one after the other, they were all the states, um, almost all of them were the state's witnesses. They were the ones who were most devastating to the state's case. Um, and and really actually backed up the idea that this was self defense on behalf of Kyle Rittenhouse. I did not see that streaming anywhere on MSNBC, CNN, anywhere. These, these were all I had to watch them um, on the on YouTube, the different different streaming um, services, I guess. And uh, I I I I would, however, see some of the coverage after that was after um, after each day's uh, session of of the trial and. I would say that the, the biggest tell for me that this was not going the way that liberals in the media had set it up had 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 primed people to believe it was going to go. You could tell that it was not working out that way based on what were they doing? What have you heard so frequently? Well, there's a problem with the judge. There's bias with the judge because he's he's coming down on the prosecution, and he said he said that you can't use the word victim to describe the people who were killed. Obviously, that is the question that is up to the jury. That's what this whole trial is about. You can't be calling them victims when that's the question at the heart of this whole, this whole case. So just this idea that there was, there was something wrong with the process, that to me was just the, 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 the easiest way to say, oh, this isn't quite going the way you had hoped.
0: So what has your impression been of Judge Schroeder? Or Schrader, that's his name, right?
1: I say Schroeder, but it could be Schrader. What's your impression been of him? My, my impression of him has been, I would, I would agree that there is a sense that he has a sympathy, a, some, somewhat of a sympathy. I don't know if that's too strong of a word with the defendant, meaning Kyle Rittenhouse, because um, there have been just certain uh, decisions he's made. He's obviously been aggressive with the with the prosecutor, but in my, I, I'm not a lawyer, but in my mind, what I what I keep thinking is, if there is any kind of sense of bias toward the defendant, well, our system is built inherently to have a bias toward the defendant, particularly in, I would say, the, the most serious kind of case, which would be homicide, murder. It's supposed to, and he did talk about this, it's it's innocent until proven guilty. The burden of proof is on the, the state to prove that, that he committed a crime. So I would, in some sense, I, I, I get it. Anyone watching this would say, well, he comes down awfully hard on the prosecutor. Well, it is just simply true that the prosecutor, by their own admission, um, Thomas Binger, he introduced something um, at w- which he had, which they had basically said, we're not, uh, the, the judge had said, we're, we're not, inter- we're not comfortable The court is not comfortable introducing that, so I'm not going to make a decision on it. But it should be brought, if you're you're going to, if you're going to ask this line of questioning, actually, of Kyle Rittenhouse when he took the stand, that needs to be, we need to readdress that. And the state did not bring that back up. He just went into that line of questioning. That's when they had to excuse the jury. and, And a lot of people probably remember that there was this big moment where the judge was really, really yelling at, um, the prosecutor who said, you know, I, I, you're right. I could have brought, I should have brought this to you beforehand, but I thought, blah, 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 blah. Um, but again, I don't, I don't, I don't think that there, um, I don't, I don't see a case, a, a situation where this on a, it goes to some kind of appeal because the judge, um, mishandled the, tr- mishandled the case or anything like that. I think that it is just a matter of his, the, the defense, the defense is good. I think the the overwhelming evidence is on the defense's the defense's side, and the judge can see that just as good as anybody else. So if he's if there is this sense, I mean, it's just because the facts of the case and our system lends itself to that.
0: Yeah. Also, the prosecutors, they have seemed terrible. I didn't pay super close attention to this case um, or, or to the live trial until really the closing arguments. And I watched all of the closing arguments. And I was actually shocked by how amateur the prosecution sounded. I mean, it was like maybe it's them grasping at straws because, as you say, the facts really are not on their side. But it was this like really sad attempt at theater that I think just looked just so contrived and unserious, it just, if anybody wasn't watching this trial and was just consuming the media coverage of it, they probably aren't going to understand fully how bad of a job the prosecutors did. And I guess I'm curious as if you think they did a bad job because it was inevitable, they had to do a bad job, the facts weren't on their side, or were they just not up to the job anyway?
1: That is something I'm, I obviously, I don't, I didn't know anything about these prosecutors, Thomas Banger, and I actually never figured out the name of his co-counsel. But I I kind of, I've wondered to myself, are they really this stupid? Or (laughs) did they just end up with a case that they felt they had to pursue and this is the best they could do? They got. I mean, to me, what happened with the um, the closing arguments, I, I guess if, if you only saw the closing arguments, they might have been you might have come away with it with a with a better impression. But if you if you watch the whole trial with the with the prosecutor with Thomas Binger is asking was asking the jury to do was disregard what all of my own what a, what the state's own witnesses said and mm. believe this story that I'm going to tell you and we're going to base it on this um this drone footage and and this one um, they basically stopped like stopped one frame of it Yes. Drone footage that, that shows Kyle Rittenhouse from God knows how many feet away, probably like, what, a thousand or something feet away. And, you know, this is we're telling you what he's doing. They didn't have a single witness to testify. That's what's happening in that in that image. They didn't. So my whole thing coming away with it was if this story you're telling is true, why didn't you have a single witness who was there to to back that up? Because you have this theory, you have this story about what happened. you have this version of events, this timeline of what happened that night, and yet you had not a single witness that could actually that could actually say that instead, all the witnesses are saying the exact opposite. the witnesses you called to the stand um so yeah, it's just i the question was whether okay wait you're you're this incompetent, which i would I just would be shocked to know how you became a lawyer, or yeah. um what the defense said actually too was that. This is a political trial. That was one of my first pieces as well. The judge had said at the beginning, "He, d- this is not a political trial. Do not keep anything of politics. He was instructing the jury, no politics. But of course, it's a political trial, as you and I were just talking about. There's political ram- uh, ramifications to this on a national level. Um, but the defense even said in its closing argument, this was political, this case. The reason why the state brought this in the first place is because they felt like they needed to have somebody to blame for what happened. And yes, I think that, that, that that's true.
0: Yeah, and his, I, I think, leaning towards the incompetence side, I actually think what everybody probably saw the image of him pointing the gun um, in the courtroom. As you said, like, how, how are you even a lawyer to begin with, let alone a prosecutor, if you think that's a good idea? He had his finger on the trigger. Um, and I, I think I heard him, you know, ask that to make sure that it was, quote, empty before he um, brought it up. But like, what what did you make of that moment? What was the point of that?
1: You know, when they were doing when that actually happened live, I had the stream on, but I I missed for a split second when he did that. I did I had heard him say as they have been doing, and they do it actually multiple checks. It's their check. The guy who's the um I think they have like an actual officer there, like law enforcement, who's handling the gun. Um, he checks it after they've received it. They, they then check it. But they're going to reintroduce it for the jury. The the um the the AR fifteen.
0: It, um, yeah, it's an AR fifteen.
1: Yeah, they have to check it. The the judge even says check it again, check it again. Um, So I think that there was no real threat there. And yet, uh, the (laughs) the theatrics of it are very startling. I don't think that um, there were a lot of people making fun of him because he had his finger on the trigger and you should everyone should know you don't do that. I don't know. I, 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 I wouldn't put it. I wouldn't put that any more dumb of a moment than the rest of it. <laughs> I, I think I kept thinking, you know, they had to bring in um, for this one still image we're talking about, which is the whole our, the whole state's case is that in this still image is the moment that Kyle Rittenhouse raised his gun and that scared people and they thought he was a shooter. So that's why they that's why someone chased him. That person ended up getting shot um, and th- and then therefore Kyles starts to run because other people now are chasing him but he instigated the whole thing by raising his by raising his to be the initial one to raise his gun scaring people well you know the they had to enhance that image they had one you have to pause it at the exact frame they had enhance the color the brightness um and e- even even after that the best version of that of that image does not even come close to um to comporting with what the facts are otherwise with every eyewitness who was there. Um, even the, including the, the state's own witnesses, none of them say this is what happened. Nobody otherwise. And there were a lot of people there that night. You would think you'd be able to find one person. I guess it turns out that the, the, the two people, this has been really interesting to the case to me. The two people who might have backed up this version of events are about to be prosecuted and something I think, related to arson or something else from that night. So they're not testifying in order to to basically not implicate themselves in some way, um, incriminate themselves. But if you, if those are the two you could call and you're not calling them and now you have everyone else saying the exact opposite, I mean, it just looks very silly. You're hanging everything up. You You're giving everything you got, basing it on this one grainy photo that you had to enhance so, so much.
0: Right. So the argument is that Rittenhouse raised his gun and is therefore the aggressor, and everybody else's uh, decisions and behavior was then rational um, because he had raised his gun.
1: Correct, and which is actually very stupid because <laughs> the the only person in that in in, in those um, that was in that crowd was not the person who ended up he wasn't even really around and to have seen the gun he was this was never really explained why this happened but the the person who ended up chasing Rittenhouse there was a theory i guess as to what happened but the person Joseph Rosenbaum who was the first to chase Kyle Rittenhouse and who was therefore the first person shot and killed by Kyle Rittenhouse he was you can see the aerial footage he's actually like embedded himself between what looks like three or four cars and obviously it's dark out there so he can't really be seen as kyle rittenhouse passes those cars that's when joseph rosenbaum comes out from them and starts chasing him um and i guess the state is trying to make the case well that's because he saw Kyle Rittenhouse raise his gun and that scared him. Well, one, I don't know what he's doing between those cars. It, it, it's not clear that he can, he even saw, he was even within eyesight of seeing Kyle Rittenhouse raise his gun. None of it really makes sense.
0: Yeah. And there's been this entire conversation about whether a skateboard is a weapon. <laughs> Are your thoughts running in endless circles in your mind? I know I've been there. With the stresses of the last couple of years, it's more important than ever to practice living healthier and happier lives. We talk about that on this show all the time. So what if a few minutes was all it took to change your relationship with stress and anxiety, transforming your life for the better? Well, that's the power of meditation with Headspace. Our thoughts can be confusing enough. Meditation doesn't have to be. Headspace is your convenient dose of meditation, mindfulness, and sleep exercises to relieve stress and anxiety and help you get a good night's sleep, all in one app, making it super easy to catch your breath and to make time for your mental health. And it's one of the most science-backed meditation apps in the world proving meditation works. A study proves in just two weeks, Headspace can reduce your stress by 14%. All right, so headspace, if you're struggling with stress, if you're struggling with anxiety, you've got to give it a try. Let's actually give it a try right now.
2: So either sitting down or lying down, just beginning with a nice big deep breath in through the nose and out through the mouth. As you breathe out, you can close the eyes. Allow the breath to return to its natural rhythm. And just take a moment to feel the weight of the body pressing down into the seat or the surface beneath you. Just allowing any thoughts, any sensations to come to the surface. The body, the mind, just letting go of those things. As the body begins to unwind, the muscles in the feet and the legs, just switching off, letting go. In the stomach, the chest, the back, again the muscles just softening, giving way, just switching off arms, the hands and the fingers, all just letting go, the neck, head, even the muscles in the face just softening, letting go as both the body and the mind unwind you can either gently open the eyes again or just leave them shut now
0: meditation is surprisingly helpful i've recently found headspace and i'm excited to learn how to use it to meditate because it can really be a powerful powerful tool more than you even realize if you've never done it so find some headspace at headspace.com federalist and get one month free of their entire meditation library this is the best headspace offer available so go to headspace.com/federalist today headspace.com/federalist. Um, but, and th- then that gets to, um, what's his name? Anthony Huber, right? Who was, who was killed when he was, as the prosecution says, trying to disarm Kyle Rittenhouse, um, from Rosenbaum to Huber. These are two very different situations, um, and, and very different, I think, burdens of proof. How do you think the prosecution has done when it comes to Huber?
2: I
1: think, um, I, I want, I believe that everyone who, looks at this in a reasonable way can't really separate the what started the whole incident that night you know the shooting of of rosenbaum the chasing of kyle rittenhouse which then becomes the shooting of rosenbaum then becomes a mob that they're all yelling things you got go get him chase him get Mm -hmm. his ass like they're saying all these things you can't i don't know that um jurors, in particular in this case the jurors, but anybody watching this can separate one thing that happened from the other. The whole thing is is just kind of tragic, but it is a series of events that were not isolated. You had you had this, you, Rittenhouse was a kid at the time, so 17, shoots a man because he thinks he's, well, because he is being chased, and the eyewitness testimony is that this, this guy chasing at him is yelling expletives and trying to get his gun, trying to get Kyle's gun. So Kyle shoots him, kills him. He starts to go in the direction of police. He's going towards police. You know, I think typical of, if someone was on a shooting rampage, and went there just to shoot people. Does not then head towards police. <laughs> right. right. So he's heading towards police. Um, suddenly, this this mob starts forming behind him. They're now chasing him and yelling things. Get him! Get him! Someone tries to attack him with the skateboard. That's Anthony Huber, as you were saying. And he actually did it twice. Um, and 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 then tries to get his gun while well, he gets shot. Okay. And then, then we go to the next person who's, who's, well, before that, actually, there was someone who hit him in the head. Kyle Rittenhouse falls to the ground. Another person tries to kick him in the head. Um, he, it it looks like Kyle Rittenhouse shot him too, but they'd never been able to identify who that was and he never came forward. Um, so you have you have all that happening. Then you have the skateboard coming, trying to get his gun. You have another guy coming. This guy has a gun, points it at Kyle Rittenhouse, tries also makes attempts at getting his gun. I mean, you're just looking at a chain of events that that really are you can't you can't isolate any one of them. If it had stopped, if it had stopped was just um, was just the shooting of Joseph. Rosenbaum but what it happened it looks like is that Kyle would have made his way to police he would have told them hey I just shot somebody and he, he but he was trying to get me and we we might not have seen any of this ever happen. they would have just said okay this was uh, a tragedy he was acting in self-defense but that's not what happened we ended up with two um, we ended up with two more people shot one dead and um, again they, I, it's just it's a series of events that I, I would I would think that any reasonable person on that jury can't can't isolate any of them
0: Right, right, right. Um, <clears throat> were you surprised last night that the jury didn't render a verdict? I think a lot of people were expecting – I actually don't know why people were expecting it to come back so quickly because they uh, – they it was pretty uh, – probably like 6 or 7 p.m. by the time uh, the arguments wrapped. Um, were you surprised that there wasn't a quicker decision?
1: I, you know, it could go either way. I know you said at the beginning – at the top of this that – that it was expected that um, Derek Chauvin, who was the officer charged, one of the officers charged with the killing of the murder of George Floyd, um, that that it was expected that he would be found guilty, that he would be convicted. He has he was facing, I think, eight counts. I thought there was one of them. My memory is getting a little bit fuzzy, but there was one of them that I thought possibly, and I think that had a maximum of three year prison. The other one that just like this, just like this trial, I watched that one from top to bottom, and I thought that. Up until the very end, the defense of Chauvin had a very strong case that this was a tragic accident. George Floyd died of a heart attack that was compounded by dr- lethal amounts of drugs in his system, plus the um, the run in with, with police and just, you know, a complete accident. Uh, but the the jury came back, I think, within within 24 hours with a with the full the full guilty rundown. Every count was a guilty was a guilty count. Um so and that that did surprise me honestly I thought that there might be there might be one but I see a str- I saw like around a 70 75 percent chance that he um, that the Derek chauvin was acquitted that wasn't the case I was wrong so nothing uh, would would surprise me when it comes to a jury deliberating this one either.
0: Yeah, um, that's a that's a good point. Um, do you expect so this is kind of a, a silly question, but if they're if Rittenhouse is acquitted, as it does seem increasingly likely, that will be the case. Um, two two questions here. One, do you expect riots to break out once again in Kenosha? And two, how do you expect the legacy media to handle it? I think like mistrial was already trending on Twitter last night. I'm I'm curious as to how they react if that happens.
1: Uh, I would say, will there be riots? I mean, they have at least now they have the guard in place. Um, it, it kinda, I kind of I haven't heard anything in terms of the the mayor or any of the officials there saying we're going to be leaning on this. We're not we're not going to pursue anything. Um, we're not going to legally pursue anything or use law enforcement on, you know, say, for example, dumpster fires. That was a big problem that was happening in, in Kenosha that night. Um, well, for, for several days, but on that particular night in August 2020, is that police were not acting on people who were uh, out there, you know, blowing up, th- blowing up things, uh, throwing rocks, destroying property. It was basically just, no, no, unless you see vi- like man on man violence, don't do anything. Well, I mean, that's not okay with a lot of people. For a lot of people, that they, their livelihoods are built into, are in their businesses, everything they work for, every, all of their dreams for their life and their children, that is their life, is their business. So it's not okay. And a lot of them did not have insurance. A lot of them don't have insurance to recover from that. So to see that happen, and I, I get it. It's the state was saying this in the Kyle Rittenhouse cases. Is, is he said it over and over? Is don't we all agree that life is more important than property? Well, some people don't have the luxury of making that distinction. Their life is their business. That their life is built into their property, so they're not. They're a little bit more upset than I think democratic leaders in these liberal cities are. Um, so I, I, it's a good thing that they have the, uh, the, hopefully, the infrastructure in place to, or the structure in place to make sure that doesn't happen. If it does, and there will probably be at least a little bit. Um, if there's an acquittal. But if it does, I assume that, again, like just as happens all through 2020, you won't see any coverage on CNN or MSNBC um, coverage in the newspapers. The, the big ones will be relegated to, you know, the back of it. You 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 really won't see the big um, you, you won't see any January 6th <laughs> <six> <laughs> coverage. <laughs>
0: Don't you think they're setting the we talked about this a little bit earlier, but it does seem really clear that they're setting the judge up to be the scapegoat and the system up to be the scapegoat scapegoat. Like they're already preparing to say that this trial was a farce and it was a miscarriage of justice. Um, and instead of actually conceding, perhaps, that they had gotten some facts wrong or had gotten the the narrative wrong. It seems like this this could actually the Rittenhouse narrative could actually spiral into a more dangerous place because it will now be held up perhaps as a symbol of an unjust system if he is acquitted.
1: I think that's right. Um, I, and again, that was that was how just not not only just based on watching the trial and seeing what's happened in front of my face and seeing that the, the state's case is very, very weak. And that's putting it lightly. That's putting it nicely. Um, but seeing the coverage thereafter that was nitpicking at the judge and decisions he had made and and including the ridiculous, well, I can't even believe this became a controversy that when his, when his ringtone went off, it was God save America or something like that. Yeah, no it was God like Bless that. America. Yeah. Right, which they said was I was reading in the um I didn't know this. I I was but I was reading about uh this, this nitpicky column about or yeah, this nitpicky column about the judge in USA Today, um by some some liberal lawyer who said like you know, that's actually the unofficial theme of the Trump rallies that he used <laughs> to come on stage. That's not, one. I didn't know that. And two, even if that's the case, I mean, what is the implication that this judge is a, a total like Trump supporter? I mean, I just the, the, the way that this is framed in a political way, that it's a that it's that it's Trump related or white supremacy. And yet there's no one white or there's no one that's not white. Um, at the, at, you know, at issue in this trial, it's it's just a very, um, it's a it's a very obscure way of doing it. And yet, when you, uh, the impression had been among so many people that this was in some way, um, race related. That this trial had anything to do with race because of of people, you know, that I have spoken to that just said that was my impression of it. That but that was deliberately how the media wanted this to be. And and I. I the latest thing being going attacking the judge as as a trump supporter is just one more way that they're doing that and yes i it's it's not good because that is just meant to do create like more doubt that this was unfair even even though the facts were on 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 the side of of Kyle Rittenhouse to say that I was acting in self-defense. The facts are there. They are on his side. But so many liberals were so invested, so much of the left was invested in this because they need to continue justifying all of the lawlessness that we saw last year, which of course was used to win an election.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. No, and that's an, an easy thing to forget as well, that this happened in August of 2020. The way you use the internet has changed dramatically over the last decade, as we cover here all of the time, but security tools are one of those things that's mostly stayed the same. Aura provides complete digital security to help protect your online accounts, finances, and devices, and more, all in one easy-to-use app. Aura provides digital security protection to keep your online finances, personal information, and tech safe from online threats. It's all-in-one protection from identity theft, financial fraud, malware, scam sites, and so much more. With Aura, you'll get alerted to fraud and threats fast, like if your online accounts or passwords were leaked or if someone tries to open a bank account in your name. Aura is easy to set up. All plans come with a million dollars in identity theft insurance to help recover your stolen funds and experienced US-based customer support that's got your back. Aura is a new type of security service that protects all of your information and devices with one simple subscription. How nice is that? With an easy online dashboard and alerts sent straight to your phone, Aura keeps you in control and guides you through solving any issues. So for a limited time, Aura is offering our listeners up to 40% off plans when you visit Aura.com slash Federalist. Go to Aura.com slash Federalist to get complete protection and savings of up to 40%. That's A-U-R-A dot com slash Federalist. I'm, I'm curious, Eddie, how much you think the live coverage of the trial uh, ate away at the legacy media's narrative here. You've been covering media for such a long time that I, I have to imagine you've noticed the, the legacy media's power is eroding, maybe uh, more gradually than some people think, or maybe more quickly than other people think. But do you think that that live coverage of the trial really which which had so many people, you know, ending up... Glenn Greenwald was pointing out people. He was using this as an example of sort of media echo chambers. Um, do you think that the the live trial coverage really hurt the legacy media's narrative?
1: I think, well, 100%, yes, because the mer- narrative just turned around... The narrative they built around the Kyle Rittenhouse, the incident, uh, the shootings, and, of course, the trial, is just 100% not true. Something that I wish... Because this is this is how I, um, how I kind of approach these things. For like, I did not know really really much at all about what happened with Kenosha and and Kyle Rittenhouse. I had heard about it at the time. I saw the brief clip that that had been played on cable news, which shows this very very young person with this large gun running. And ends up shooting people because he falls and he shoot. I didn't know anything about what, like, what the Joseph Rosenbaum, how he had been chasing Kyle and yelling things at him. And also, before even that, running around yelling the N-word, saying, shoot me, N-word, shoot me, N-word. All these things. I didn't know any of that. I just seen the little bit. And I thought to myself, okay, like, I wasn't really that interested. But when, when the trial was going to get going um, a few weeks ago, so leading up to that, I was... Listening to what um what was said on MSNBC and CNN, and how this was race and how this is white supremacy and Trump and all this stuff. When they start tying those things to an issue, I immediately am skeptical and think this is this at the at minimum is I'm being misled in some way here because that's just that without fail that is always the case, always the case whenever they start talking about race and and tr- tr- white supremacy, all of that, it's without fail, you're at least at minimum being in, being deceived about something. So that's when I decided to look into all the details, watch as much video as I could, read the reports back from what happened. What, are, what is the defense expected to say? Okay, well, is there any merit to self-defense? Let me look back and see if I can in any way see that. What's the state say? Okay, wait, well, now I'm finding out that the three people, the three people who were shot Two killed, they're all white. and I'm thinking, okay, of course, once again, what, what I was told <laughs> and what my impression was was not true. that I wish that this would be the this would be the moment that people realize that when those when that is what the media start banging the drum about when they're trying to hammer that narrative home, you should at least know to at a minimum again you are being lied to.
0: Yeah. And uh, this entire narrative is so backwards because, again, I saw this in a legacy media publication just this morning. They said Kyle Rittenhouse uh, killed several people during the protests in Kenosha. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's absolutely not what happened. He was at riots. Um, this was not a protest. He was there during riots. And everybody who was there rioting um, is... they were partaking in something illegal. Um, And that doesn't, I I don't think that makes him a hero, but I do think it turns the table completely as though he's just some like vigilante, um, which is a a word a lot of people on the left have used. A vigilante who took it upon himself to go patrol the streets. Um, It's not really what was happening. The community that he worked in, that his father lived in was literally burning. Um, And again, I don't think it makes it right. I don't think a 17-year-old had any business being out there, let alone with a rifle. But it's the the narrative is just completely backwards that he was picking off innocent people.
1: Sure. And I think it goes back to, um, again, the left being invested in this case, because one, they they believe one set of, um, and one version of political violence is okay, and the other isn't. Because you often hear, he shouldn't have been there. Well, who should have been there that night if he wasn't allowed? to Exactly, be, who have? right? There's not a single person who was there, um, unless you lived uh, literally on on any of those streets. If you had bi- an, a business there, which many of these people did not, they're there lighting things on fire, breaking windows, throwing things at police. I mean, are you tell is that who should have been there that day because they were angry and that that's now allowed? Well, no. I look at this in in terms of okay, everyone was there. I I agree with you that if I had If I could go back and I had I I could tell Kyle Rittenhouse, look like you don't wanna go there. This is not gonna there's a good chance that you're gonna do this or if let's say I knew the future at the time I'd say, You're gonna end up shooting people, I bet he would have made the choice not to go there. I bet right. he would have, but if he's making the same choice as everyone else, which is that this is the scene where things are happening, I'm going to do it, I, I see it this way, they see it that way, but I want to be there because, for when for any number of reasons, but assuming he, he's, at that point, really, he was the only one not doing anything illegal, just as you were saying, he shows up with a gun, it looks like that was legal because they tossed out the illegal possessions charge, he's there with a the gun, that's perfectly legal, um, may, maybe poor judgment, sure. Uh, but if you're gonna, this idea that he shouldn't have been there, well, nobody should have been there.
0: Right, right. It it, it doesn't justify anybody. Um, the whole thing it shouldn't have been happening in the first place. Um, yeah. Well, Eddie, any predictions for today? Today is Wednesday. Do you think we'll see anything come down?
1: Uh, my, which means nothing. But my instinct is that today they will render their verdict. Um, which way it's gonna go, I don't know. I think that any. Any reasonable person, which is what you're supposed to put yourself in those shoes, that's what the jury's expected to do. They would say this is this is defense, and even if there's a chance that it's not, there's too much evidence that says it is. All the witnesses said, all the independent witness, witnesses said it was defense. Um, I, I I'm just gonna have to acquit, but. That's just the prediction that isn't re- <laughs> worth really much these days.
0: <laughs> well, I bet juror, jurors, and I think this was probably true in the Chauvin trial as well, and I think that decision was correct, but I think the, the jurors are probably also uh, have weighing on their minds, uh, their families, and what could happen um, as any information from their deliberations leaks right. or whatever.
1: They said that. They said, uh, I mean, and I knew that at the start of the trial, there were at least two or three Two or three potential jurors they hadn't they hadn't been selected yet um but they said i'm i'm worried no matter which way this goes actually they said no matter what the verdict is that there's going to be more problems here i don't know that i even feel safe walking to my car after each day of, of trial of of trial and we know why that is it's because this has been so so overheated and politicized when it shouldn't have been um but if, but it is and there's there's no way of turning back that clock but yeah, they are scared. And that, that, of course, yes, that weighs on their minds, obviously.
0: Eddie scary. thank you so much for breaking this all down. Thanks, Emily. You've been listening to another edition of the Federalist Radio Hour. I'm Emily Jasinski, culture editor here at the Federalist. We will be back soon with more. Until then, be lovers of freedom and anxious for the fray.